No, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> you did furrow your brow at him. I was trying. I'm just trying to figure out where he's going with it. Hey, no, like, how are we gonna end up? No, no, Karen, no, no, it's fine. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just. I'm literally just thinking. It's, ah, it's fine. In terms of we're gonna smash. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hello and welcome to this episode of A Glass of Seawater. My name is Bhavan Patel and today we are talking about why we are called A Glass of Seawater. But before we get onto that, let me introduce who's also on the show. We have Michael. Hello everyone. And Tom. Hello. So Tom, you are brand new on the show. You've never been here before. What do you do? Why are you here? What is your purpose? So I'm another PhD student at Cullum Centre for Fusion Energy. My research focuses on modelling turbulence in the edge of a tokamak fusion reactor. Um, I use large computers to do so-called high-performance simulations of how this plasma flows around in the edge. And the point of that is to try and work out how much heat certain parts of the reactor will have to deal with before they can melt. Yeah, so I think you look at the, the turbulence right before it hits the exhaust point. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and today, we're going to talk about why we're called a glass of seawater. So, uh, why don't you guys tell us what the main fuels are for the fusion reaction? So, like... So, the main fuels is uh, heavy hydrogen. So, it's uh, the deuterium and uh, the tritium. Yeah, so the deuterium is made up of a, a proton and a neutron. And... The tritium is made up of one proton and two neutrons, so it's three times as heavy as a normal hydrogen. Hmm. And the big question we're going to talk about is how much deuterium is there and how much do we have access to? So deuterium and tritium are different isotopes of hydrogen, but hydrogen, deuterium and tritium are all chemically identical. They all would burn in the same way, all chemical reactions are the same. Their different mass doesn't really make very much difference to most processes. Um, it's only when you're doing nuclear processes that involve the nucleus, like fusion reactions, that the fact that they're different isotopes actually matters. But fundamentally, they are the same element. So exactly. you can have helium, for example, you can have different isotopes of helium, which have different masses, mm -hmm. but they all behave like helium. Like you could put it in a balloon and you wouldn't mm. notice the difference. Or different isotopes of carbon, like is used for radiocarbon dating, yeah. things like that. It doesn't make any difference that some of the carbon atoms in living things are a different isotope because they're chemically identical because they're the same element. And one important point as well is that uh, especially deuterium uh, is abundant in nature. We can find it in vast quantities everywhere. And where is one super obvious place we can get deuterium from? What's the name of the show? A glass of seawater, guys! <laughs> so... Uh, in all seawater, you can always find deuterium. And it's, like Michael said, it's relatively abundant. Out of all of the hydrogen in the sea, one out of every 6,500-ish atoms are actually deuterium atoms, not uh, hydrogen atoms. Pretty amazing, right? It's, I mean, one out of every 6,000 doesn't sound like a lot, but it, it is quite a lot. Like, think about how much sea there is. So we're going to go through a uh, back of the envelope calculation of how much deuterium there is in a glass of seawater. So where would you start with this? We want to calculate the total amount of energy available from one glass of seawater. So the general method we're going to take is we're going to work out how much available deuterium there is in one glass of seawater. And once we've got that, we're going to use our knowledge of how much energy you can get 
from a single atom of deuterium, multiply them together, and that'll give us an idea of how much energy you could get from one glass of seawater. So to start with, we need a guess for how much seawater you could fit in one glass, standard glass, maybe 250 milliliters seems reasonable. Yeah. Um, water has a density of 1,000 kilograms per meter cubed or one kilogram per liter. So 250 milliliters is basically 250 grams. Now we have to try and work out how many molecules of water those 250 grams correspond to. We start using chemistry notation of Avogadro's number being the number of um, molecules there are in one mole of a substance. It's literally just a constant number. And then what's called the molar weight of water, which is essentially just about how many protons or neutrons there are in, a in the nucleus of a particular element or compound. So, for example, a hydrogen has a molar weight of one. Therefore, one gram of hydrogen has uh, six times 10 to the 23 atoms. Uh, water has a molar weight of 18. So 18 grams of water corresponds to 6 times 10 to the 23 uh, molecules. And that's always the case. So one mole of anything is always Avogadro's number. Mm -hmm. Hence Avogadro's that's Because that's constant. how moles are defined. Exactly. Yeah. So by looking at the number of moles of water, mm -hmm. you can say I've got this many molecules of water. Yeah. And moles might seem like a weird way to do it, but it makes sense in chemistry because if you've got two substances that react and um, you need one molecule of substance A to react with one molecule of substance B, it's much easier to think about having one mole of each that react to produce one mole of a product than it is to try and do it in grams. Because if you do it in grams, you're constantly having to divide by the molar weight of each exactly. reactant. Yeah, it's like the, the ratios. Yeah, it's so like it's actually much easier yeah. to work with moles. So uh, by doing a, a quick calculation, we can take uh, the, the weight of water within the glass. We can multiply it by Avogadro's number, which is this constant number, as uh, Tom mentioned before. And we can divide that by the molar weight of uh, the water. And then uh, we can conclude that the roughly 8 times uh, 10 to the 24 uh, molecules within uh, a glass of water. It's, it's a huge number. We're, we're talking about a lot of... Uh, a lot of atoms in there, right? Uh, and then, so that's the number of molecules of water. But that's not what we want. We want the number of deuterium atoms. So what, what's the next step? So we've just calculated the number of molecules in a glass of seawater. The number of molecules of water in a glass of seawater. Um, and what, But what we actually want to know is the number of deuterium atoms in that glass. So firstly, let's work out the number of hydrogen atoms in that glass. There are, in every single molecule of H2O, i.e. in every single molecule of water, there are two atoms of hydrogen, which is why it's called H2. So we need to double the number of molecules of water. That should give us about 1.7 times 10 to the 24 hydrogen atoms in our glass of seawater. Now, we know that we're not just interested in hydrogen atoms. We're interested in how many of those hydrogen atoms are the deuterium isotope. So we need to take into account the relative abundance of deuterium in seawater, which we mentioned earlier was about one in every 6,500 is actually deuterium. So now we just multiply by one over 6,500 and we conclude that each glass of seawater has about 2.6 times 10 to the 21 deuterium atoms in it. Yes, yeah, so this is a stupidly high number again that you just cannot really picture, but 
step by step, all we did was we said we need to know how much uh, water there is in a glass. Okay, from that we say how many molecules of water are there in that glass. And then from the number of molecules, we work out the number of hydrogen atoms. And then from the number of hydrogen atoms, we know the abundance of deuterium. So then you can just work out the number of deuterium atoms. And it's a bunch of relatively simple steps that, to be honest, we've struggled to get through. But it's a, a series of relatively simple steps that can get you uh, a pretty good estimate of what the number actually is. So now we're going to talk about the energy you get per deuterium reaction. So we've calculated the number of deuterium atoms per glass of water. So now, how much energy do we get for each deuterium? So how do we work that out? So the first step would be to consider an actual fuel. Apart from deuterium, we have tritium too. And uh, the so-called DT fuel is uh, the fuel that will be used in an actual uh, fusion uh, reactor. So we heat up our fuel and those molecules they, they develop uh, huge speeds that allows them to, to fuse. And uh, the fusion will release uh, neutrons uh, and each neutron will carry roughly 14.1 uh, MeV of energy. Uh, so how, how much is 14.1 MeV of energy? Because it's not a normal unit of energy that people come across. So we're used to thinking of energy in larger units like joules, which is... Um, say if you lifted uh, one kilogram by up against gravity by one meter, that would be 10 joules. Um, or we're used to thinking of things in terms of kilowatt hours, which are a lot of joules. But here we're using much, much smaller units, like units that are suitable for individual particles. So when we talk about individual particles, it's much more convenient to use a unit called the electron volt. So if you have something it doesn't have to be an electron as long as it has the same charge as an electron so that's just a charge of minus one or plus one and if that gets accelerated through a voltage of one volt then that particle will speed up and its final speed will give it a kinetic energy equal to one electron volt and an electron volt is an amount of energy that's relevant for most sort of chemical reactions of an individual molecule. So if like one molecule of something burns, then it will release on the order of one electron volt, not trillions of electron volts and not like one millionth of an electron volt, but around an electron volt. Our deuterium-tritium fusion process here generates 14.1 million electron volts of energy. So this is a lot more than you would get from a chemical reaction, which is important. This is like essentially why we want to do fusion in the first place is because it gives you so much more than any chemical process could. But still, even a million electron volts is still a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of a joule. Yeah, so in actual joules, it corresponds to 2.7 times 10 to the minus 12 joules. So that's a zero followed decimal. So it's a zero, decimal point, 11 zeros, and then like two which is just yeah so small. So if you if you wanted to use that energy to lift an apple upwards, that would lift it by like a thousandth of a nanometer. Yeah, no energy at all. But the main thing that we have is that although we don't have a lot of energy per deuterium, we have a lot of deuterium atoms. How many deuterium atoms are there in a glass of seawater? Yeah, it was 2.6 to the 21. So even... Uh... 
this uh, order of uh, minus 12 that each reaction produces, uh, if you multiply those numbers together, that corresponds to huge amounts of energy. Yeah. Something mm. small times something really, 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 really big is something still pretty big. Yeah. So when you do that calculation, when you multiply those numbers together, then you find that the total energy per glass of seawater is about 5.9 gigajoules if you were to fuse every deuterium atom in that glass of seawater. Yeah. A gigajoule is a huge unit. That's a, that's an explosion-sized unit of energy. Yeah. Like if you were to lift that one kilogram bag of sugar, instead of uh, lifting it by like one meter, you lift it by 100 million meters. Well, it would escape Earth's or Earth's yeah. gravity at that point. Yeah. But it's not in the whole glass. It's in just a few atoms within that glass, like one in every 6,500. There's so, just so many atoms. So you could take a glass, you could scoop up a glass of seawater, filter out the deuterium atoms, then use those deuterium atoms to produce that amount, that 5.9 gigajoules of energy, and you would still have almost all of the glass of seawater to put back into the sea. Mm. So you're not using up really any of the seawater at all. Which is nice. I like the sea. So now we know how much energy there is per glass because we worked out the number of deuterium atoms in a glass and we worked out the, num the energy per deuterium. So you multiply those together and you get the energy per glass. So each so glass produces uh, 5.9 gigajoules of energy, but that's not a hard number to really... It's just a number. I, what are some terms you could put it in that makes it more understandable? So this is an explosion-sized amount of energy. For example, if you were to explode one ton of TNT, i.e. if you had a stack of dynamite that weighed a ton and you exploded that, that would release about 4.2 gigajoules. So th this glass has, what, six gigajoules, is more powerful than a ton of TNT. There's more energy stored in that glass than a ton of TNT, which is just ridiculous. It's so much energy in such a small space. Of course, we're not implying that water is explosive here. We're just, <laughs> we're just saying that if you were to set up a process which convinced all of these deuterium atoms to fuse, then that would be the amount of energy which you could extract from them. So we were saying uh, each glass of seawater has six gigajoules of energy, but... Let's put that in terms that we can understand. So how long can a single glass of seawater power our listeners, an average UK listener? So in the UK, uh, we use roughly 1.3 exajoules per year. Uh, an exajoule is uh, 10 to the... 18. And uh, if we divide that as well by uh, the amount of people that exist in uh, the UK, let's say roughly 60 uh, million, uh, then we're going to end up that each person every year consumes... 18 uh, gigajoules. Uh, but this, it should be pointed out that this is just for electricity consumption. So if you, an electricity consumption is only a, a fraction of energy consumption. For example, in the UK, then energy, electricity consumption is about one fifth of people's energy consumption because the energy consumption also goes into heating houses, which is done through like gas and driving and transport and those use a lot of energy as well like even if we had an entire carbon free electricity grid we would still only be one fifth of the way to having carbon free energy usage at least in the uk yeah so 
<clears throat> we said 18 gigajoules of energy per year. Per year, yeah, which uh, corresponds to roughly 0 0.04 gigajoules per day. Uh, so now if we go back to our calculation for uh, how much energy we can take uh, from a glass of water, which was uh, 5.9 gigajoules, then uh, we can uh, conclude that uh, uh, a glass of water can uh, last uh, 111 days uh, for a single person, which is actually a lot of days. Uh, we're talking roughly about a third of a year here, just from a glass of water. This is amazing. Yeah. Imagine going to the ocean, scooping up three glasses of water, and that's all of your electricity for the year. So, uh, we get all of this energy just from 250 milliliters of seawater. So let's now compare that to other sources of energy that we use to power ourselves. So the, the main three that we think of is coal, oil, and gas. So to get the, that same amount of electricity, i.e. the amount that would power one person in the UK for 111 days, you'd need about 200 kilos of coal. One way to arrive at this number is just to consider the difference in energy density between coal and deuterium. So this is a much bigger number for coal, as in you need much more coal to supply the same amount of energy. And that's because the energy density of coal is much, much lower than that of deuterium. So the energy density of deuterium is about 15 million times greater than that of coal. So you get roughly 15 million times more energy out of one kilogram of deuterium as you would out of one kilogram of coal, which is why we need so much more coal to power someone for 111 days than we would need deuterium. This is a reflection of basic physics because the processes that are occurring when you burn coal are fundamentally different to what's occurring when you burn deuterium. When you burn coal, it's a chemical process, which means that the nuclei of the atoms in the hydrocarbons in the coal are not involved. It's just a rearrangement of the electrons on the outside. Chemical processes occur on the scale of a few electron volts, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, whereas in the deuterium, then it's the actual nucleons inside the nucleus that are being rearranged. And this occurs on the scale of mega electron volts, so literally a million times bigger. So that's why there's like a few million times more energy to be had from the deuterium than from the coal. And the, the main difference is yeah, the strengths of these are just absolutely astronomically different. And we can do the same sort of calculation for other sources of uh, fuel. So we also have oil and gas. So how much oil would we have to burn to get that 111 days or one glass of seawater's worth of energy? So we're going to need roughly 130 uh, kilos of oil and uh, roughly 150 uh, cubic meters of uh, gas to produce the same amount uh, of energy that a glass of uh, seawater would uh, produce. And this is, this is what we do right now. The, the UK may have built quite a few wind turbines and solar panels recently, that we still get the vast majority of our energy from fossil fuels. So when we say one person in the UK needs 150 cubic meters of gas to supply them with electricity for 111 days, that's pretty much what's happening. There is 150 cubic meters of gas being pumped out of the North Sea, being sent down pipes and burned on your behalf, like every day for every, well, sorry, for 100 every 111 days for every person in the UK. Yeah, which I think illustrates the, the, the real pull of fusion. The fact that you just need so little fuel, like 
I mean, in that when when you whack it out, it's like under a gram of deuterium in a glass of seawater, like a hundredth of a gram of glass of, uh, of deuterium in a glass of seawater, compared to the two hundred kilograms of coal or oil or gas. At that point, who cares? What if it's a hundred, two hundred? Doesn't matter. The, the the difference is just orders of magnitude, and because we're so energy dense, you can power people with basically nothing. It's excellent. A glass of seawater, as we are named, will power you, our listeners, for one hundred and eleven days. Remember that next time you drink your glass of seawater. Thank you for listening. That was a great episode. That was a really fun episode. I learned so much. Same. Even though I may have not been in it. Same. So I think uh, for our many listeners, we would really appreciate if you subscribe to our podcast on whatever app you're listening on. Yeah, and check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Just search A Glass of Seawater and we'll come right up. Finally, just uh, if you can, leave us a review on iTunes. That would be incredibly helpful. That would really help us it greatly increases the visibility of the podcast probably more than anything else and tell all your friends and enemies that was a really good episode i enjoyed it and i learned a lot see you next time for the next glass of seawater bye